us in line with that, we have come to a place in Christendom where those who profess to worship God must truly worship Him in spirit and in truth. Because this is the last days. All evidences around us is pointing to it. And we know that, uh, you know, even the government of nations are more confused, as the Bible says. And so, um, I focus on the distinction between the world and the remnants in the church in the last days. And I want to encourage every one of you, our religion must not be of the face. It has to be a pure religion that comes from the pure heart and a pure spirit unto God. Because as we are entering the new year, God is about to make distinctions uh, in, on the face of the earth. If you look at what is um, going on in our parliament now around 10 Downing Street, you will remember that God spoke to us in those churches about all these occurrences. But I'm sure that what will be the expectation, what, what the thought going in the mind of everybody is that what does tomorrow hold for us? What does the what does tomorrow hold for the government? The answer is that the government know it no. Because today it is plant and clear that our government don't know where we're going. The Prime Minister doesn't know what is going to happen to her tomorrow morning. And the members of Parliament don't know what is going to happen. I remember God said uh, in January, when God showed me a vision, I saw the division in the major parties, and the division came together as a coalition, but that coalition have no head. You remember? And today, one of the old conservative MPs have stood up in the parliament to tell the prime minister, we are going to vote against you. If you watch that program, you will understand. He, he said clean clear, it's either hard Brexit or we will vote against you. In the parliament, it never happened in the history of the United Kingdom. For, you know, key figures in the party, in the parla during parliamentary session, speak against their ruler, their leader, and tell her, we will vote against you. It's not, it's never happened. Usually, they, if, if they want to kill themselves, they kill themselves in the secret of the public. But because prophecy must happen. Are we together now? And why I'm saying this is because I'm saying to you that if you appear today and you have not been coming to the Bible study over the year, we need to know first of all that our first primary reason for meeting is to look at the book of Isaiah. You have looked at Isaiah chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And you have learned so many things about Isaiah. Certainly people who came to every meeting, those who did not come, there is something which is a fact. And the fact is this, those who came every day have more information about salvation, death of Christ, resurrection of Christ, the purpose for which Christ came to the world, then the coming of the Lord Jesus and the judgment day. Isaiah is the most respected prophet of the Old Testament because he was the only prophet who saw everything about Jesus Christ. No prophet did. And you know the beginning of Isaiah in chapter 6 tells you 
God looked to the world looking for someone like today. He is still looking. And then he heard the voice of God by the Spirit of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Or who shall go for us? And that is the beginning of Isaiah's commission. And you will discover that Isaiah, from those of you who have gone through every chapter of Isaiah, you will discover that Isaiah spoke about the prophetic Christ, the pre-existent Christ, beginning from pre-existent Christ, Christ before he was even sent, you know, to the that who Christ was before coming, who Christ, you know, the coming Christ himself, prophetic Christ, and the mission of Christ, what Jesus will do, how he will be persecuted, how will be the kind of way he would die, how he will be buried, his resurrection, and his coming back again, and his judgment, his eternal prayer. So it combines information from the epistles, the apostles, the gospel, and ended up in Revelation. So tonight, we are going to do as we do. You'll be given one minute. Who is your timekeeper? Who is your timekeeper today? Pastor. So you will stand up and just tell us something that Isaiah said. What we are looking at is, can a Christian end up in hell? That is very important. Somebody who is a Christian, somebody who accepted Jesus Christ as his brother and Savior, and he started coming to church. That is a Christian. Okay? So when you're born again, he says, go make disciples. You're born teaching them to obey and, uh, you know, uh, make disciples of all nations. Teenagers will probably have taught you. So somebody gave his life to Jesus Christ and he became a Christian and he started coming to church. Now, he might be... He might become a choir member, he might become an usher, he may become the head of choir, the head of usher. He might be so gifted that when he sings, cripple will walk, blind will see, miracles will happen. He might become an evangelist, he might become a prophet, a pastor, an apostle. He might become such a prophet that will tell us dates and time that event will happen and it will be exactly so. He may be an apostle that God has used so mightily miraculous signs and wonders and healing and dead being raised and all stuff like that. And thousands and thousands have come to kingdom through him. Can a person like that ever end up in heaven? As we have looked at somebody who is just a church member, to somebody who has become a leader in the church, to somebody who has become the drivers of the church, pastors and so on, to somebody who has been used by the Lord to the place where so many people all over the world know him. Maybe he's the most popular minister of God on earth. Can they end up in hell? You start from Isaiah before you can give any other reference. So if you have any other reference, you, you, are, you are to do that. But we look at something from Isaiah that indicates whether such can happen or no, it cannot be. Because some people believe that once one's born again forever, once saved forever saved. Some people believe that when you are born again, you are, you, you, you know, uh, what they call it, the, the son of the born and the son of the free. Something like that. That when you really become son of the free, it is impossible for you to end up in hell. So, this is what we are discussing. And I want to speak very freely. If you had somebody taught something which you have researched on, okay, say it. Because this, this is us, this is Bible school. It's not preaching. <laughs> we discuss, isn't it, here? Uh, so, if some people, but if you say something about someone said, you must have researched it. Which means we can give evidences of scriptures they quoted to back up their claim. And then that can help us. We can now, at the end of it, that we speak. Can help you put clarity on all this. So, 
Shall we just start now? Please. How do you do? Do you tell them to stand up? statement are all Christians who are born again going to heaven. Not all Christians who are born again are going to heaven. At it's only the righteous ones who serve God devotedly on earth. In Isaiah 35 verse 8 to 9 it says, and the highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. None, nor any ravenous beast, they will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. God is comparing those who do his will and those who doesn't do his will. In verse 9, the lion symbolizes those who disobey God and they cannot walk with the righteous because they are not in the same lane as them. The wicked people robes are unclean with dirt, as they have no shame of their sins. In Zechariah, in Zechariah 3, verse 3 to 4, it says, Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take his filthy clothes. Then, then said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sins, and I will put fine garments on you. May God cleanse us from our sins in Jesus' name. In comparison, in Matthew 7, verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The phrase, the will of the Father, meaning Jesus wants us to be obedient to what the Father has commanded, and all those who do the will of the Father would live a godly and a holy life. The phrase also shows that Jesus spoke of doing the will of the Father to abstain the kingdom gates. He has one act of obedience in mind, believing in his word. It is, God that, it, is, it is God's will that none should perish, but all should come to, to a change of mind about God. Second Peter 3 verse 9. My last question I would like to ask you is, are you ready? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Revelations 22 verse 12. So I'm quoting from Isaiah 59, chapter 2. Verse okay, so I'm, I'm taking my scripture from Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquity have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, that he will not hear. Isaiah, Isaiah 59, verses 2. Okay, what happens in Isaiah, um, in the lecture, um, it spoke about how sin separates us from God. 
and the two major sins that separate us from God is disobedience and rebellion. And um, it's evident in um, Numbers 16 to 19, where Korah, he rebelled when Moses, he, Moses went up to the Mount Sinai to get direction from God. He rebelled. And because of his rebellion, it separated him that God's judgment came upon Korah. And uh, Korah was destroyed. Although Moses prayed for him, Moses' prayer could not stop God's judgment on Korah. Also, there's two instances in the New Testament where you can say, a person can say, can grace save me? And people would say grace and mercy. And because grace, there's grace, grace will always save me. And once I accept Jesus, I'm saved because of grace. But Jesus was the one who came with truth and grace and mercy. And there were two instances in the Bible. And one was, uh, there was an instance where Jesus told a man, where he healed a man at the pool of Bethsaida, John 5, 1 to 15, Go and sin no more. So Jesus said, if you sin, a worse thing could come up upon you if you sin again. So it's the sinning no more is what separates us as well. You can't sin, and Jesus told him, go and sin no more. Even in John 8, 3, 11, uh, Jesus, uh, the woman, sorry, the second instance is the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Uh, she was caught in the act of adultery, and the Lord said, where is your accuser? She said, no one has accused me, Lord. And the Lord said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So it's the sinning no more is what causes, could separate us and cause us not to go to heaven and go to hell. And we could lose our salvation with continuous disobedience and rebellion. So sin can separate us, and we can lose grace by continuous sinning. So firstly, to answer the question that's already been said, that are all Christians going to heaven? The answer is no, not all Christians are going to heaven. Only those that actually do the, that actually obey God's word. It says in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2, Has not my hand made all these things, and so they come to being, declares the Lord. The, these are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in heart, and who tremble at my word. A person who trembles at God's word is somebody who obeys God, whether it's logical or illogical, whether it's hard and difficult. And if you go to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, it's titled, True and False Disciples, meaning there are true followers of Christ and there are false ones. And it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. This shows that we can only enter heaven as long as we do, do the will of the Father, which is to obey his commandments, which is summarized, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and also love your neighbor as yourself, which we can summarize that also into the fruits of the Spirit, which is mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. And a person who manifests all the nine gifts of the Spirit, that doesn't guarantee you to enter heaven, but a person who has all the fruits of the Spirit, that you can never miss heaven because the fruits of the Spirit will help you. If you have all the fruits of the Spirit in an increasing measure, 
It will help you to obey the commands of God, meaning you're trembling at God's word. That's why people who may perform miracles, they still have a questionable life because they don't have the fruits of the Spirit. But I pray that the Lord will help us so that we we'll have the fruits of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Praise God. The question, are all born again Christian going to heaven? With evidence from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1 talks about the rebellious nation. And from the lesson that we learned from Apostle regarding rebellion in the book of Numbers, Apostle stated that anyone who enter rebellion will suffer great punishment unless the person that they rebel against interceded for them. And throughout the book of Isaiah, there has always been a distinction between two sets of people, those who fear God, who seek him, and those who continue to do evil. In Isaiah chapter 2, it talks about the detestable things that God's people were doing. They practiced divination like the Philistine and embraced pagan customs. Their land was full of idols. They bowed down to the work of their hands to do what their fingers have made. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18, it talks about occult practices. And it reads, when you enter the land that the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nation there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifice their sons or daughter in the fire, who practice divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engage in witchcraft or cast spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist, or who consult the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of the same detestable practice, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord. In the book of Exodus 34, verse 14, he said, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. The people, the Israelites, they, they were doing detestable practices which arose God anger. We thank God for the blood of Jesus. But even though God is a loving God, is full of compassion, is merciful, is caring, he's also a God of wrath. As it was in the book of Exodus, God called Moses to lead the Israelites to the promised land. But because of disobedience, only Caleb and Joshua enter the promised land. So it will be for Christians who do not worship God in spirit and in truth, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Praise the Lord. I admit I've not been coming forward with Bible studies, but this is um, based on Apostle's question. I carried out personal research to give the answer. Now it says, all Christians going to heaven? And I wrote, um, this is only achievable on meeting God's conditions. Taking the um, various chapters from the book of Isaiah. Um, first one is Say that right. again. All Christians are. Um, I wrote, um, are all Christians going to heaven? And the um, answer I gave there, this is only achievable on meeting God's conditions. Isaiah chapter 1 from verse 11 to 26. I just uh, summarized uh, what it says there. Basically it says, God seeks our offering from the heart, obedience, righteousness, and learning to do what is right. 
Um, also going to the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, from verse 10 to 25. Summarize there as well. Those who are disobedient shall be destroyed, because when God called, they did not answer. And um, to buttress that point, um, going to Revelations chapter 21, verse 27, it says, But nothing that defiles or profanes or is unwashed shall ever enter, nor anyone who commits abominations, unclean, detestable, morally repugnant things, or practices falsehood, but only those whose names are recorded in the Lamb in the Lamb's book of life shall actually make it to um, heaven. God bless you in his words. My answer is no. Not all Christians will enter heaven. The scripture that I picked has already been mentioned, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. But if we turn to the book of Ezekiel chapter 33 and start from verse 18, it says, If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, they will die for it. And if a wicked person turns away from their wickedness and does what is just and right, they will live by doing so. When it talks about the righteous man, it's talking about us Christians. And it also mentions death. Death... Death is not talking about physical death, for the fate of all man is death, but eternal damnation. So if a righteous man, though being righteous, sins, because he knows better, will be punished. 33, verse 18 to 19. 18 to 19. So if a righteous man, though being righteous, sins, because he knows better, will be punished more than the sinner, and of course, if he is caught unaware by death or Christ's coming, he will go to hell. Happy birthday, Apostle. <laughs> um, Isaiah five thirteen um, talks about the fact that his, the Lord's people will um, be sent into exile because of lack of knowledge um, and the um, you can you. Can, the knowledge part though it's possible to know God to a certain degree you can see that from the, from the Bible um, that, but then after that as 2 Peter 2.20 says it's possible to fall away um, Jesus makes it clear that you can come to a point of knowledge that is life eternal and, and follow on with the Lord a, a bit like yourself Apostle you've given us that example your destiny but it's so crucial to continue in the ways of the Lord because that, when it says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge in Hosea 4 and they're carried into exile because they have no knowledge, it shows that they did not reach that point that they needed to reach with God. And God can say to them at the end, I never knew you. If you know him, he will know you. You reap what you sow. You know God like he wants you to know you, he will know you. Um, 
but that's what we need to get to. If um, they have, uh, others have mentioned the things we intend to say, you don't need to say anything, all right? Because that is just, we all have affirmation about what they are saying. The reason why you must be writing, looking, if they quote a scripture, you must check it. It's because that's the principle of knowledge, okay? If anybody quotes a scripture and says something, we have to confirm that the Bible really said what he's saying, all right? And so anytime you are, you know, anywhere people are speaking or preacher is preaching, anybody ministering, you must write down and check what they are saying. If, they, if you want to say something and they have said it, then the Lord has spoken about it already. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. And some of the things that they said are written down here. I'm not going to mention it. There's one thing I want to mention. is um, in the book of Ephesians. Let me just start with Isaiah. Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 27, say 28 says, And the destruction of the transgressors and the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. So in other words, if we forsake the ways of the Lord and we go in our own ways, definitely we will not get to heaven, we will go to hell. But the scripture now says in the book, To buttress that, what came to mind when Apostle gave us this topic? It's the fact that God has created us for good works. And Ephesians 2, chapter 10, says we are created for good works. But if a believer now decides to derogate from the good works and practice evil works, obviously, evil works cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And that is to confirm the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 19, when he was talking about the works of the flesh. And he stipulated some works that we can engage in, which were... Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, emulation, wrath, strife, and envy, murder, and drunkenness. If a Christian engages in any of these works, the Bible definitely tells us that such a Christian will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it is best for us to hate what God hates because all these things that are the works of the flesh listed here, God hates it. And if we hate what God hates, and we love what God loves, definitely heaven is guaranteed for us. But if we love what, what, if we hate the things that God loves, then hell is our destiny and the Lord will we preserve our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll take my reading from Isaiah 66, verse 22 to the end. And it says, As the new heavens and the new earth that I will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another. All mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. And they will go out and look on the bodies of those who fell 
against me. The worms that eat them will not die. The fire that burns, burns them will not be quenched. And they will be loathsome to all mankind. Now, this is talking about the end of age. Now, the question is, if you're born again, can somebody who's born again go to hell? From reading this, we can see that here God is talking about, Isaiah is talking about after the um, resurrection of Christ, after the death and resurrection of Christ, the end of age, the new heavens and the new earth. And it says that those who rebelled against God, worms will eat them. That's talking about hell. And fires that will not be quenched. So, we see here that it's being foretold what will come at the end of age. However, the major word I want us to look at is rebel. What does rebel mean? I here in the United Kingdom cannot say I'm rebelling against Trump because rebellion means resistance against authority over you. So the only people who can rebel against God are the people who God has authority over. In other words, those who are children of God, born again, but now rebel against the word of God for their lives. Now, um, one of the major things that people who say once saved, always saved, that they rely on, is the dispensations that when we're looking at the Old Testament, it's under the law, and then up to the time that Christ came, he was under the law, and then after the death of Christ, that's when the New Testament started. So in other words, they rely a lot on the um, epistles, or um, the um, epistles is what they rely a lot on. But one of the things they believe is, one of the scriptures they use is John 6.37 that says, anyone who comes to me, I will not cast away. So their thought is, I've been born again, I've come to God, I can't be cast away. But that is not the truth. And um, if we look at sorry, um, Luke 3, Verse 9. Here Christ is talking about trees. And when we talk about um, um, trees, we're talking about children of God, planted of God. And he says, now also the axe is laid onto the roots of the trees. Every tree which brings forth, which not bring forth good fruit is hewed down and cast into fire. Now the only way you can bring forth fruit in the kingdom of God is that you are a child of God. God has given you, you're, you're planted in the soil, in the word of God. And God is looking to you to bring forth the fruits of the Spirit. God is looking to you to bring forth the manifestations of his kingdom. And what he says here is, if we do not bring forth fruits, we are cast into fire. I think my time is up, so I'll round up there. Amen. Um, in the book of Isaiah, Apostle says to um, can a Christian end up in hell? And we all agree that yes, a Christian can end up in hell. In the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 1, verse 28, it says, But rebels and sinners will both be broken, and those who forsake 
the Lord will perish. Amen. And Jesus gave us a parable in the book of Matthew 13. Because of time is quite long, we won't read it. But when he was with a disciple and they asked him to explain what he meant by his parable. And he told them that um, 37, Matthew 13 from verse 37. So the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weed are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of age. And the harvester are angels. So, and he says in verse 40, that as the weed are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angel, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing shine like the sun and the kingdom of the fa- in the kingdom of the father he who has here let him hear amen. amen now to corroborate that i will go to the book of uh, ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4 and i read the king james version that behold all souls are mine and the soul of the father as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So, meaning that as believers, in our midst, as even Apostle taught us that, that we can grow together, and some of us will still indulge in sin. And as Jesus himself said, at the end of age, there will be, we will all be before the Lord, and there will be a separation. And I pray that we all be at the right side of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. I think um, we have consensus that uh, you can be born again. That's the end, isn't it? You can be born again. No one else. No one else. Because you were asked from beginning. You were late. So... Then you listen to the summary. I'm sure what you intend has been spoken. I'm confident. Now, let me say this. The, the, the last thing of Satan is the first thing of Satan. In the beginning, how did Satan cause Eve to fall? Deception. Okay? That is the thing I was dealing with today on television. Deception is defined as somebody presenting a false thing as the real. Or presenting a real thing as counterfeit. That's a simple, you know, definition of deception. And if you look at every deception always starts from the truth. Okay? When Satan wants to deceive you, he will first begin to reason with you in the truth you know, in your thoughts. And after all, he will now begin to give you analogies and stuff. 
then that analogy will suggest to you that really what you believe is not true. And then you begin to suggest lies. This is how the devil has operated from beginning till today. He has no two weapons. That's why Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus said, Do not be deceived. Okay? So, but we have treated this some time ago. But today, while you are all speaking, while the initial question before us is that, Can a Christian end up in hell? Okay? You have answered by beating that a Christian can. And many Christians already are. Many bishops, apostles, prophets on earth use mightily on earth. They are in hell right now. Okay? It is not what God made you. It is what death caught in your hand. I would together now. So we have that. <clears throat> but having said that, there is something I, I was sharing today on the television that why would Satan... You know, you know, why would Satan, or how could Satan achieve his ambition and his intention? If you read the book of Ezekiel chapter 28, it says that God made hell to come out of Satan and consume him. Okay. So, Satan is the one that Jesus said in the book of Matthew, hell was prepared for Satan and his angels, not for man. So, and the only thing that the devil can do is to cause a lot of man that God created in his image. To end up where he is. So it's a, it's a benediction against God. That is what the devil is doing. So deception is the major tool. <clears throat> now there are some scriptures you read. And I will say this. That during the time you are talking. I was going to say that. You, you dealt with the fact that a Christian can end up in hell. Number one. Then you dealt with the reason why many Christians suffer on earth. Are you following that? In Isaiah, the reason why God punishes Christians, the reason why God allows Satan to mess up the life of Christians, and he, the whole of Isaiah tells you when a Christian desert God or rebel against God, and you begin to follow the people of the world, or Christians who Satan set up in church. I was dealing with that on television today. You know, Satan, people who are used by the devil in church, and you who is faithful and you are committed to God, they begin to make friends with you. And before you know it, you who have never been blasphemed, you become a blasphemous person. You who don't run people down, you begin to partake in that spirit. You who don't backbite, you begin to see yourself backbiting. If you're not careful before you recognize you have gone too far, I would get it now. So, you talk about consequence of, you know, being ungodly, but then the ultimate consequence of being caught in ungodly. Two ways Satan have succeeded in, in, in the church. First Timothy chapter four verse one says, "In the last days, many will abandon the faith. They will follow what deceiving spirits and things taught by demons." So we understand therefore that two operations in the church of God in the last days, or two vehicles that Satan used in the last days to get deception, are you know. Um, Demonic teach, uh, deceiving spirits and then demonic teaching. Deceiving spirits works through members. Alright? And that is the first one I analyze to you. 
you are coming to church, you are praying, committed, every time you are coming, suddenly someone told you that, ah, what is the problem with you? We have been here before you. Be careful, Satan is just speaking. Satan is just speaking. That is, demons are speaking through their mouths. Or you meet someone who said, have you considered your friend this? And began to talk around down the person. Job chapter 1 verse 7 tells you that is speaking. Anyone who will influence you wrongly in the church or sow a seed that can bring discord in your spirit against somebody else, especially innocent people who did not have opportunity to stand where you are talking about them to defend themselves. Are you with me now? If I am talking with pastor about you, you are not there. And what happened is that if I give that report about you to him, it will create a bias in him. Even if he says, no, 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 I don't want to take it. They see that being sown in him. And the only one who can do that is the devil. Because the Bible says that he's the accuser of brethren. And you can see, the result of that is this. Everybody who do things like that, as I told you, they cannot go without the body. Because when you do those things, Satan will now have the right to afflict that person and God will not be able to stop him. Because Satan works by the written word. And you read in the Isaiah how Isaiah said again and again, and God said again and again in Isaiah, that I will punish you because you have rebelled beginning uh, physically, you know, all what God will do to them in chapter 2. Even to the governmental punish, punishment rather. I said, he said, he said, girls should be your ruler. Uh, so, when the Bible says that, what it meant is that it doesn't say that a woman cannot be ruler because we have people like Deborah and others who are high, highly intelligent. But what he's saying is that, um, you know, unscrupulous people will just become like prostitutes and all stuff like that. And the nation will go down the drain. So, you must be very careful of those who call themselves Christians. But they are instruments of Satan. There is no church that is void of them. They may be limited in a church like here, where the truth is preached. That's the reason why when I teach in CFT, I tell you to challenge any human being, regardless of who title, whoever it may be. If I mislead you, challenge me. So if I tell you to challenge me, then nobody is.
people have contact with the Holy Spirit are people that they mimic what Christians do, but they haven't really surrendered themselves. And some other people who gave their life to Jesus before, and then because of one reason or the other, maybe love of money, uh, they are looking for a husband, they can't find, they go crazy, they are, they are waiting for the fruit of the womb, they can't find, they go crazy, and those people will introduce them into the occultic stuff. And before you know it, the moment you double into occultism, Holy Ghost leaves. Okay? So then they will strike them. But it begins from influencing them negatively. But the second one is the demonic teaching, which is the pulpit. And you have that too much on television today. Ministers of God who themselves has, have gone gross in sin, they are the ones who develop the doctrine of grace, which is your main contention. Does grace mean we should sin? No, the Bible says we cannot keep on sinning and expect grace to abound. Is it impossible? We cannot. So therefore, what about grace? Say, Titus 2, 11 tells us that the grace of God has appeared to all men, so that brings salvation as appeared unto all men. It teaches us to say no to every ungodliness and worldly passion. So anybody who is under grace, read to them. What grace does is that it makes you hate the world. You go to joints and parties and all stuff like that. When you get grace of salvation, you will hate those things. You will see yourself a mess. That is grace of salvation. Therefore, anybody under grace of salvation, can he, continue, can he get into adultery? Be living in adultery? Lying, deceiving people, sleeping with them? Can he do that? No, he cannot. Because if a person does that, then you cannot prove to me that inside that person, Holy Spirit lives. Because what makes a man commit adultery, what makes a man go to another man's husband and make him sleep with her, or go to another man's wife and sleep with another man's wife, what can do that? Is the Holy Spirit? So, therefore, if it is the evil spirit, where is that evil spirit? It lives in their body and taking over their own soul. Therefore, to tell me that somebody lives in, it's even if somebody fell into an adultery and then he cried to God and for mercy and stuff, he will confess it and he will run away from that habitat. But somebody continuing the act, this is what the Bible is saying. The Bible says that that grace makes you say no to open godliness and worldly passion and to live self-control, upright and godly lives. That is grace. That is great. If they tell you about grace, just read that title to them. That this is what the Bible says grace is. In this present age, he says, not in after life, after death. While we wait for his, the blessed hope, verse 13, the glorious appearance of, the, of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify to himself a people that are his own eager to do what? Look at Hebrew ten twenty-six. A Christian can end up in hell. Verbatim. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, which is born again, no sacrifice for sin is left.
only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will what? Consume the enemies of God. 1 John 5.18 We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. That he does not engage in the act of sinning. Do the same thing today, repent, confess. Do it again, confess. No, you are not born again. You lost your salvation if you were. Because when you are born again, you won't do that. You, the Holy Spirit will captivate your, your heart and fear will come upon you. Now, having said that, your discussion today is so voluminous. The first man began to talk, uh, the, the lady who spoke, and he said, Isaiah 50, 35, verse 8 to 9. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. Nor will any ferocious beast get upon, upon it. They will, not, they will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. Then she quoted Matthew 7, 21-23. Let me sit down for a while. What that says is this. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, Jesus is speaking, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Alright? Some people will say that, yes, anybody, people can call Jesus Lord who are not born again. Okay? And they say, you know, I've seen people argue this and say that, yes, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord. And they say that, yeah, you know, what that means is that some people can be saying that Jesus is my Lord, but they are joking. But this is not referring to those people. It's referring to people who truly believe that Jesus is Lord. Why did this scripture, why did I say that? Let us see. There's a comma in that scripture, and then he went for us to say, We'll enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So that very statement qualifies the fact that he's talking to Christians, and he distincts those who will enter heaven, and not just those who are Christians, but those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Since many will say to me on the last day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? The name drive out demons, deliverance minister, prophets. And perform many miracles. Evangelist, apostle, faith. Then I would, I would tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you will do us. So it's not the, the young man said it is not the gift that saves. But the truth. The next scripture. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is, no, is now slow in keeping, is not slow 
in keeping his promise as some understand goodness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And that is when Peter was talking about the judgment of Christ in the last days. Isaiah 1.28 And the destruction of the transgressors and the sinners shall be, shall be together. And they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. The destruction of the transgressors and sinners shall be together. And those who forsake the Lord. You have known him before, now you turn away from him. Your judgment shall be like those who never knew him. And that's what that is saying. And someone spoke from Isaiah 51, 59, verse 1. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. And I remember that when we are treating this very verse, we, you know, one of the things that we recognize is that sin separates man from God. Yes? Do you remember? So... The brother who, Brother Adetokubo, I wrote his own name down because he began by saying that I've not been coming to Bible school. Yes? Did you hear that? Not because he was in church. He was before. He got a busy. He just came back. Okay? So that someone don't say that, well, I mean, that I've seen somebody that uh, he was in church. He doesn't come. But let me say something to you. He had on Sunday, and between Sunday and now, he saw Isaiah. God's jurisprudence, he gives honor to people like that, who had the right to No wonder God gave him the revelation. I would get it now. Now see what he said. Revelation 21 verse 27, he said, Nothing impure will ever enter it that heaven. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful and deceitful. So if you are born again and you are doing shameful things and deceitful things, you can't enter the area. Jesus said so. After he died, he came back to come and say that. So that there will be no confusion. He says, but only those whose names are written, which means that anybody who does impure things, their names shall be blotted out if it has been written before. He said it. He said, I will blot out your name. If you live in impurity. Then he quoted Ezekiel. If a righteous man turns. Uh, the other person there. Quoted Ezekiel. If a righteous man turns from his righteousness. And does evil. He will die for it. And if. A wicked man turns away from his wickedness. And does what is just and right. He will live. By doing so. Yet O house of Israel. You say. The way of the Lord is not just. But I will judge each of you according to his own <laughs> his own will. You know, sometimes when I read, I was reading your Lipticus, and there are some few things I wrote from Lipticus. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. I think I'm getting more information reading through Lipticus with you on the book I'm writing on God's jurisprudence. Because he said, if a leader commits sins, Unknowingly, he's guilty of a thought. <laughs> and he said he will pay. And if you look at the damage for a leader, 
He said that if a non-leader commits a thought, that is, he, he broke the law unconsciously, or un, un, not unconsciously, or un,